Our um, scripture this morning is from Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, verse, uh, let's see, 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Cindy, hello, check, check, hello. It's green. All right, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Happy two-year-old birthday party. Uh, isn't this exciting, all that God's doing? I'll tell you, if you had told us a little over two years ago that we'd be seeing God doing what he's doing today in terms of the growth of this community, in terms of the number of faith decisions that have been made, in terms of uh, committed volunteers excited to serve and love, in terms of the kids' ministry multiplying, in terms of being able to pour resources into the community and even globally, uh, in terms of uh, you know the people who represent this church, not just uh, coming and, and, and getting things done, you know, as friends, but as, as family, uh, that we have this growing sense of, of bond and love towards each other. If you had told any of us a little over two, two, over two years ago that that was going to be the case, I think we would have laughed at that. Uh, actually, all, 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 all chips out there on the table, I would have probably cried because um, it was a very emotionally raw time for me personally uh, because as a team, we all understood this, we were in a place, and we still, we still very much are, we were in a place where God had to show up or we were going to fall flat on our face. God had to show up and do an, uh, an amazing thing or we weren't going to be around for, for all that length of time. Um, but today, we celebrate what God has been doing. We celebrate uh, looking back at some of the things that He's been doing. We, we give Him the praise because it's been He who has been doing it, not ourselves, as well as looking forward to what God has in store for us as a church, what our assignment, what our task is here and now, and how you can be a part of it. Uh, so let me pray, and then we're going to jump right in to this text, by the way, that is really a culminating message uh, of all the texts we've been looking at in terms of this vision series, in terms of, of, of being here for good. I'll, I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much that you are building your church, and that we get to be a small part of, of your work here. Uh, thank you for the different ways that we've been able to, uh, you, you have through us, uh, had a tangible and spiritual impact in this community. Thank you for the Silicon Valley. Thank you for Mountain View and the surrounding cities. Lord, would you bless it? Would you bless these cities? Uh, and would you help us be a blessing to them? Uh, give us your spirit now. Would you touch us? Would you touch our lives through, the word, through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so to pick ourselves up here in the biblical, in the biblical narrative, to find our place, uh, we see here in Jeremiah 29 that the Jews have been taken into exile. Now, the context for this is for years and years and years, the people of God had been doing their own thing, saying, you know what, God, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to do our own thing. And so how the scriptures actually talked about it is, the, is, is that the people were rebelling against God. They were rebellious. So God sent, for years and years and years, prophet after prophet to tell them essentially, hey, guys, go back, turn back towards God. 
Uh, come back to Him. Start living for Him like you used to. Uh, if, if you don't, you see all these enemies around you that God has been having as uh, his, his hedge of protection around you, protecting you from. You see those guys? The, these nations that are out there conquering, all, uh, conquering each other, they're going to come conquer you. You'll be taken into exile. And for years and years and years, as, these, as God sent these prophets, the people of God said over these years, thanks, no thanks. Um, and in Jeremiah, we pick up that, indeed, the, Israel, the, the Jews are, have now been taken into exile. Uh, Jeremiah covers a lot of territory, the book, but in chapter 29, uh, they have been conquered by the Babylonians, um, and it's there in, in, the, the, in, in Babylon that they, they are being held in exile. Now, I want to start and just get at something that is profoundly interesting here, and not just to myself, um, but to many scholars who look at this text. By the way, both Jewish Christian, and secular, all scholars look at this text and say it's, it's profoundly unique and profoundly unprecedented in terms of other ancient literature. Um, it is profoundly unique and pr- profoundly unprecedented because the message that is being said to these exiles is, seek the good of your captors. Seek to be a blessing and so many of these, especially the non-religious scholars, are just like, this is unreal that this would be the message here. Uh, this is so surprising. But, current family, you're not surprised that this would be the message, right? If you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, you know that this is precisely how God works, actually. We've been looking at a number of cities, Nineveh, the wicked, violent city of Nineveh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we've seen how God has actually wanted to love those cities through his people, through Jonah with Nineveh, through Abraham uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's the same here, that he wants to love the Babylonians through his people. Um, you know, it's interesting. We've been looking at these, these cities that the Bible looks at as, you know, weren't really up to much, much good, and yet he loves them. Of all these cities that we've been looking at, actually, Babylon takes the prize. Okay, this is, this is a bad, this is a bad uh, uh, group. Th- these guys were, were the worst of the worst. How can I be so sure? Well, uh, the Bible has a lot of things saying that, predicting that Babylon wouldn't last, it would cease to exist, and furthermore, it said that, you know, there there would come a time in the near future that Babylon, Babylon, it would never exist again, is basically what the Bible said, and sure sure enough, today, Babylon doesn't exist, Um, but when you look at the very end of the Bible, the last few uh, pages, in fact, when you look at, when the Bible's looking ahead to, to like what's to come, right before Jesus comes, it says, it will be proclaimed, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Yeah, that's in Revelations 18. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Now, why would that be there when the same biblical text that's saying that about the future also says that Babylon's going to cease to exist? The answer is quite simple. In, in the terms of the Bible, ba- Babylon is a personification of bad news. Babylon is a personification of evil. Um, we know uh, not only from the book of Jeremiah, but from a number of these prophets who lived about the same time. For instance, if you've heard about Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, that, sort of, that prophet, uh, he was actually living the same time as the exiles in Babylon. The Babylons were, were a conquering nation led by an egomaniac of a king. Uh, this dude would set up 90-foot-tall golden statues, and say, bow down and worship this, and if you don't, I'm going to kill you. And by the way, I'm going to kill you by throwing you into lion's dens. I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Um, This guy, he would have dreams, and then he'd summon all his seers, and he'd say, 
look, guys, I don't want you just to interpret the dream for me. I want you to first tell me what the dream was, because no cheating here, okay? None of that, like, you tell me, ooh, it has this weird meaning. You got to be able to tell me what the dream I actually had was. Didn't tell them, and if and when they weren't able to, he killed them. Um, Their educational system, again, we know this, for for instance, from the, the book of Daniel, was basically a curriculum about the occult, Uh, They were basically teaching, their educational system was teaching the worship of demons. Uh, Culturally, they they sought to completely annihilate uh, other cultures by assimilating them fully into their own. Spiritually, religiously, we've already hinted and talked about this a little bit. If you didn't fall in line with the state religion, which, by the way, was subject to change at the whim, uh, on a whim, uh, you were killed brutally. These guys were bad news, Um, as bad as it gets, and yet... And yet, what is God's message for them? Well, excuse me, what is God's message for his people who are living in exile there? Look at verse 7. This is what scholars are like, this is unreal. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You get in the weight of how amazing of a thought this is, how mind-boggling it is of a thought. We're going to break this down here in a minute of what that looks like, but first let's consider what these guys really needed, and that was to understand that not just to worry about them being exiles, uh, not to just like let their heart posture be like, boy, this stinks. Um, If you remember uh, back when we looked at the first text, uh, God called Jonah to go after Nineveh, and you remember Jonah's response to that? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not about that. And he fled the other direction. Um, and Jonah just did not want to go to that violent, wicked city of Nineveh because they were the, they're, they're the enemies of the Israelites. He's like, I don't want to do that. God scoffed at God any number of times, was indignant, was self-righteous. And I think you can say self-righteous, not just this righteous guy, because what you see in the book of Jonah, we considered for a little bit, that God had to use every bit as much energy chasing after Jonah, if not more, than chasing after the Ninevites to get him on board, to have him be a blessing to these people. Um, It seems to me our heart posture can very easily be like Jonah. It can very easily be like one of, hey, this stinks. We're living in exile. I don't know if you'd ever put it that way, but have you ever thought about that in terms of how we, your heart posture might be towards the Silicon Valley? Um, Do you ever ever find yourself saying, man, I can't stand this place. What a horrible place. Um, Maybe it's the schooling and the pressures our kids face. Maybe it's the politics, either regional or local. Maybe it's the living circumstances, housing prices and housing shortage. Um, Maybe the Silicon Valley doesn't have the culture you really wish for. Maybe it feels uh, very self-centered. Or maybe, spiritually speaking, it's hard to identify openly with your beliefs. Uh, Certainly, the Bay Area is not known for being the warmest towards Christianity, uh, when Cindy and I lived in China, we had such a wonderful experience across the board. High level, it was just a wonderful time. But I remember, uh, in terms of like the people there, the culture, the history, the food, loved it. I, but I remember there was this time when a group of Christians that were getting together, that we were a part of, um, would get together to care for each other, study the Bible. We do it on a weekly basis. I remember there was a time when about 80 to 90 percent of our conversation, 80 to 90 percent, no exaggeration, of our conversations were basically complaining about life there. Oh, it's, oh my goodness. And you know, there's any number of things. Everybody has a visa issue there, uh, you know, all the time. Um, Good friends are coming and going. Uh, Stomach problems. I probably can't share too much about that because we're at church. Um, That was, that was me. Um, Sorry, TMI. Um, Any number of things that we were just complaining, 80 to 90%, and it was 
like, you know, the superficial, oh, this stinks. It was like deep-seated kind of like at the spirit level bitterness. And I remember during this time, one person in this group said, you know what, if, you, if somebody were to listen in our conversation, it would be as if we're living in exile, guys. We're not living in Babylon. But even if we were, even if we were, uh, there wouldn't be warrant for us to complain, to be upset. We're, we'd be missing out, church family, regardless of how you or I might feel about the Silicon Valley. First of all, it's not Babylon. Um, but be that as it may, it's not an, ugh, we have, to, we have to live here, but rather a, wow, we get to live here. That's not to say anything that the challenge, you know, that's not to say we won't have challenges or hardships, but let me ask you, what's been your heart posture towards the Silicon Valley? Maybe in the short term? Maybe you've been here for a longer while? Have you ever thought of it, even if you had never uh, articulated this way, that, boy, it feels like I'm living in exile? Uh, Is that how God would want you to see it? And if not, uh, what would it look like to have a change of heart? Uh, Let me suggest to you that if and when, let's, let's be real, when we feel this way, and I put myself included there, I believe it starts with a heart posture, maybe even in prayer, saying, God, forgive me for having this complaining of the Spirit. Uh, for the, for the, the, the fact of the matter is, Lord, this is not Babylon, but even if it were, Father, would you help me? Would you help us? Would you mold our hearts to one that is with, filled with gratitude and that seeks purpose and impact? Would you fill us with a heart? Would you mold, we need your help to mold our hearts into ones that we want to love where you have us um, and have impact the way you'd have us have impact. Because God has placed you and me here. Um, where do I see that in the text? Look at verse 4, and you can even see it in verse 7. Um, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice there, it's not ultimately King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonian king, or you know, Babylonians themselves as a nation who took them into exile as far as the scriptures are concerned. It's God who placed them there. Why? Well, we've already established partly because they had been living the way they had been, and God was trying to give them a wake-up call, but also partly we see here in verse 7 to be a blessing to the Babylonians. Um, that principle that we've been seeing throughout all of these messages we've been talking about being here for good is is also here in Jeremiah 29. You are not here by accident. God has has not only numbered your days, but he's also preordained them uh, in in terms of when and where you will spend them. And he wants you to be a blessing where you are. He wants me to be a blessing where we are um, because he loves where you and I are, and he wants to do so through us. Uh, That generation was assigned Babylon. Guys, we're assigned Silicon Valley, Um, which if I could spend a moment, that's a pretty sweet deal. Um, I mean, you think about the remarkable place God has us at the remarkable time that God has us. Do you realize that within 10 mile square radius of where we are right now, there are about a thousand headquarters of high tech companies? It's over a thousand within 10 miles square radius from right here. Um, In terms of diversity, uh, there are over 36% of the population who are foreign-born. Over 50% uh, of the population here speaks a language other than English at home. Uh, in terms of education, it is world-class. Uh, Stanford's here. I'm a Cal guy. We love you guys. So Stanford's here. It's wonderful. Uh, San Jose State. All these sprinkling wonderful schools, the, the, the community college systems included, that, look, 
here's what this means. As the world comes here for worldly opportunity, we have the opportunity to reach them for Christ and for eternity. That's where God has us, to, ha- to be here for good, to have lasting impact in our community, meeting tangible needs, meeting spiritual needs. But don't miss this. If we will be ineffective and miss out if we take ourselves out of the game saying, oh, I'm living in exile. Don't let this happen to you. It's too exciting what God's doing. It's too exciting what he's calling us into be a part of. Uh, so what can we do about it? Uh, what, is it what can this look like uh, as, we look, as we move forward here? Uh, second thought. Uh, he calls us, this text calls us to be rooted where we are. Um, we need to be rooted. Verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Okay, so build houses. I'm, gu- I'm guessing that goes over our heads. We can't build houses here. Uh, there is no land left over. All the developers are with these townhome complexes playing Tetris. I mean, there is literally no, we're building on super fun sites. If you don't know what that means, it's like radioactive. Anyways, that's a whole nother deal. Google it later. You'll see. There's no more, we can't build houses. What does that mean for us? I can't even afford to, to, to own here, you may say. It's hard enough to rent, you may say. Uh, I wonder if how this text would read today in the Silicon Valley to us. I wonder if it would say, and as I have placed you in the Silicon Valley, God might say to us, be okay with renting for longer <laughs> or with buying something a lot smaller than you would be able to afford elsewhere or be okay commuting a bit farther. Don't let these things be the determining factors. Let my work and what I am doing be the determining factor. Um, We have close friends of ours who moved to help start a church in New York. Um, These guys are Californians through and through. Grew up in SoCal, went to Cal, um, which is how we know them. Um, Just Californians through and through, but they made this big jump uh, to move because they felt like that was what God was calling them to go, helping help New York start this church, which incidentally was really sad in the timing because this was a little over three years ago. It was literally a couple of months before the conception of Current, which we all kind of bemoan as friends now, like if it had happened in timing, they would be here and they'd be part of this community. But be that as it may, God had, had different plans. Um, but they felt like God was calling them to help start this ter- church in New York City, and it was a crazy leap of faith for them. Now, these guys are really gifted, really talented, but not in the classical New York City, Manhattan type of way, in terms of finance, in terms of professional experience. But they felt, you know what, this is our assignment. We, we, it seems to us by faith to help this church in an area where we can't afford to rent. Why? Because there's a lot of people in that area that can't afford to rent themselves, and that's the point. To be, we want to be rooted, they believe, for the sake of loving and bringing God's love there. And they've had an amazing three years uh, there, a little over three years, I, I believe. And it's not, uh, it's not to say it hasn't been hard for them, that it's all been easy, but God's provided for them in every step of the way, housing, jobs, uh, and community. Uh, friends, that's what our opportunity is before us here. Uh, God's doing an amazing work. And the work that he's doing, we will be the first to say, the team will be the first to say, is not because we're, we're smart, not because we got it figured out, not because we have the strategy or the methodology, but because God is just, despite ourselves, in spite of ourselves, choosing to do a work that he is allowing us to be a part of. And we're getting to see him move, by the way, in what social ti- scientists tell us is now the most unchurched and de-churched part of the U.S., right here in the Bay Area. 
uh, unchurched, you can figure that out. People just not wanting to be about church, de-church, meaning people who had been a part of church leaving it. And yet we're seeing God do an amazing, amazing movement here. Um, what's this text saying? Um, it's saying that we need to be rooted here. Uh, have you ever thought of it that way, uh, that there's an invitation to be rooted here, um, to be here for good? Um, because what God is calling his followers into, uh, what he continues to call his followers into, is not the same as how the world works. Um, for how does the world work? The world works, if you look at verse 7, to seek, and, seek the peace and prosperity for themselves. Isn't that how the world works? And yet, for the Christian, God is inviting you into something greater and bigger than yourself. Um, what's he saying? It seems to me he's saying, seek to serve, don't seek success. Um, seek to serve where you are. As it prospers, you will too, which, by the way, doesn't mean, hey, you're going to have, you know, your coffers filled with tons of treasures and money and all that sort of thing, but he will take care of your needs. He will meet you and, and provide for you in ways that you need. Seek to serve others and trust me for your needs. I will take care of that. Seek to serve, not, not for success. I really think, in some ways, you could say that success is really what we're all about as a society, as a culture. Wouldn't you say that success is what we worship, if I can say that, kind of use spiritual, religious terms to it? It's the ultimate to succeed. There's other ultimates, but that's one that's way in the Silicon Valley. And by the way, this message is not to say, the scriptures do not say, hey, don't try to be successful. You guys are killing it in the workplace. Continue to kill it in the workplace. But this message is saying, don't let success come at a detriment. Don't let choosing to go after success come at a detriment to serving where God has placed you and where he has placed me. Um, there are, there are going to be endless opportunities to go after wonderful things. You got to discern. We got to discern as, as a community what makes the most sense, what is good but we need to choose to serve even before choosing to find success. That generation of Jews, uh, they were giving up a lot of quote-unquote success in their lives. Um, they, were, they were giving up their, having their own land as theirs. Uh, they, were, they were committing to a life of being outsiders, um, but it was all for the sake of something much greater than having their own land, much greater than being insiders. Um, whether they won or lost, whether you and I win or lose, we get to witness to the way, the truth, the beauty, and the joy found in Jesus. We don't own culture, culture and we don't rule it. We serve it, and we work within it for the good of others and for the glory of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is what this is really all about at the end of the day. For why can we do this? How is it even possible? Why would the Christian ever commit to something so radical as this text is saying? Uh, that, of course, the answer is because of the gospel. Uh, did you know Jesus came to live in exile? Uh, this is a part of the Christmas story we tend to gloss over a little bit. It's never on our nativity scenes out in the front door uh, on our lawns that uh, he came and he lived in, in exile. His parents had to flee mass genocide. They were killing all the baby boys, and they had to get out of there. So they fled to Egypt for years. Uh, Jesus lived on the run, in exile, in danger of his life. Why? For us. But the cross, the gospel, is more than that. Because the cross, as we even sang about earlier today, is about him being cast away from the Father, in, in a sense, taking on the exile that we all flat out deserve, being exiled, being cast out from God's presence himself. 
That's what the cross is all about. When Jesus said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was being cast out when he didn't deserve it. Why? For the rebellion, not just of a city, not just of a single people group, but any and every person who would put their faith in Jesus. That is what God is all about through Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel that he has made widely available that we receive. That's why he died on the cross, we say, for the forgiveness of sins, to be brought back into relationship with him. Jesus gave up his peace and prosperity to give us ultimate peace and prosperity. And if you're here today and you've never received this, what Jesus has done for you, this is the good news. If there's anything to hear today, this is it. The scriptures say, whoever receive him, whoever believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. You can receive that today. And for those of you who have received that, this is how we can do, this is how we can lean into what the scripture is telling us. Because he was cast out, we know, into exile, we know that we never will. And so whatever we face in this life, even if it were Babylon, which we're not in Babylon, even if it were, we can lean into it. Two quick thoughts in terms of what this looks like more practically, and and then we'll close. Um, Being rooted means it's it's a whole family endeavor. Uh, this really struck me when it talks about the marrying and giving of, of sons and wives into marriage, that, that whole language that you heard in verse 5, verse 6. I never noticed before this before. I think it's because I wasn't a dad before. Um, but I realized, uh, you know, as a parent, oh, my goodness, that's a whole family endeavor. He's talking about being invested as kids and, by the way, as a whole community, not just individually, which is where I think our American minds tend to go. He's talking about being well-invested. So at the family level, not just saying, hey, let's go create some you know, monastery over here, but being willing to invest in love, care, uh, the, the, city, the city where God has us. A lot of you guys are doing that with your kids, being a blessing through your kids in the schooling system, you know, at the Chick-fil-A, at, uh, you, know, any, you know, any number of places in the, in the ballpark, you, you name it. Um, a lot of you are doing that. And as a community, this is a family endeavor to be a blessing here in this place. That's why we do, for instance, pub trivias. We don't do pub trivias because we think they're fun and we're going to have a good time. It's part of it. And, hey, that's a nice benefit of it. I go there. But it's, it's to bring folks in and, and taste and see. Jesus said, as I have loved you, uh, uh, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. We want people to come in, taste, and see God's love through us, this radical love that we have for each other and the world, that they might taste and see God's attractive love in Jesus. It's a whole family endeavor. How can we do that? How can we be rooted in that way here? The second thought, it seems to me, is to be rooted is, is to take on the mandate of prayer. We talked about this in one message, but do you notice here in this text in verse 7, it doesn't say prayer is a suggestion. Um, it says, pray to the Lord for the city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. That's not a suggestion. That's saying, pray, imperative, command, pray. Uh, can I ask you a question that I asked myself this week that convicted my own heart? Uh, when was the last time you prayed for Mountain View, specifically? When was the last time you prayed for one of the sa- surrounding areas, that city maybe that you live in, Sunnyvale, Palo Alto, San Jose, Santa Clara, you name it? When was the last time you prayed for them, prayed for the city? When was the last time you prayed for the Silicon Valley? Uh, prayer is not a suggestion. It's a mandate. You know, one thing that really uh, struck me this week, um, I, I was thinking a lot about the prophet Daniel because the prophet Daniel fits in exactly with this uh, history at this exact time. He would have been one of these exiles listening to this message, understanding, hey, go and be a blessing. Pray for the city. So I talked about earlier, if, if you know Daniel's story, you probably know Daniel in the lion's den. Do you know why he was thrown in the lion's den? 
because he was praying. That king, that really crazy king, basically made this decree that if you pray to anyone over a 30-day period that's not me, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. Now, Daniel had done a lot of things to bless and take care of this community. Uh, he had uh, basically taken on a, a Babylonian name. His name was Belteshazzar, which, by the way, means, I don't have it in my notes here, something like son of the, uh, prince of the demons, okay? So he took on a funky name. Uh, he went through their educational system with the occultic practice and all that, all that sort of thing. But when he was told not to pray, he was like, I can't conform to that. I've got to pray. And so he was taken, he was thrown in the lion's den. Maybe you know that story. But what struck me this week is, oh my goodness, when he was being taken, he was almost certainly praying for the folks coming to take him and throw him in there. We are called to be a blessing where we are, and that starts with prayer. Why? Because God is the one who's going to move. It's God who's going to, if, if anything's going to happen here, he's placed us here, sure, but ultimately he's the one who has the power to change, and we need to seek him and, and intercede on the behalf of the city as he calls us to. Uh, let us not miss that. How can you be rooted where you are? What does that look like to be here for good? Um, there are any number of opportunities. You can join a team as we're looking to serve and, and make things happen here on Sunday mornings. You can serve to be on teams that are out in the community. All these ways you can be more invested. How can you be invested with neighbors? Maybe it's spending more time a little bit after work. When you're tired, you want to go home and, and, and people are just lingering around. How can we be rooted where we are? What does that look like for you to seek the peace and prosperity of where God has you, the place He loves. Um, have any of you guys golfed, done the mini golf at uh, Golfland in Sunnyvale? You guys go there. It's over there on Wolf and El Camino. It's a sweet spot. Uh, I, it's a lot of fun. I take my, uh, Cindy and I take the kids there uh, quite regularly. We went there actually two weeks ago. Um, we've done birthday parties there. We've done a current event there. Um, I actually found out recently that it was the place my parents had their first date on. Isn't that crazy? They've been married uh, now. They just celebrated their 50th year anniversary, if you want to get a sense of, like, the longevity of it. I have now heard, we've now heard from a number of sources that there's not a month that goes by that they're not given at least one, if not multiple, offers to sell that land. Big surprise to the developers who I've already named, because um, that is some prime real estate, if you know that area. But you know what? They have refused, and they will continue to refuse, at least as long as the owner says that he's been there. Why? Because their vision is to be a place that can be there for families, for couples, for groups of friends to come in and have a good time. Their vision is, as the whole rest of the land is being taken up, you know, creating this, like, influx of, of higher pace of life, of, of how do we have enough time to, to be home and, and do all these things. They're, in the midst of all that crazy, they're saying, you know what, we're going to hold on. We're going to be rooted here to love, to care. Friends, how much more so are we, spiritually speaking, called to be here as a church, to be rooted where we are, loved, invested where we are? Some of you, you see this as a short-term stint. Maybe that's God's plan for you. Hey, how can you make use of that time while you're here? How can you jump in, be rooted? How can you bloom? How can you plant gardens and eat from there? How can you do that? Some of you think you're here for a little bit, but maybe you're starting to, you could, God might be saying to you, I don't know, in your spirit, hey, you might be here for a little, some of you might be here for a little bit longer. You might be invested. Some of you are like, I don't know, all this housing prices, I don't, I, as soon as I can get out of here, I, the water's warm, friends. There's an opportunity to love, to serve, to lock arms. And some of you guys, you have made that decision generously. You're trying to work it out. We praise God for you. How can you, with this vision, spread the love, care for others, and bring, bring them in. 
What does it look like to be rooted where we are? As we celebrate the second birthday, God is so good to us. God is so good to us. It just blows us away what he's doing. But we joyfully expect, we're joyfully expecting that the best is still yet to come. How can we lock arms? How can we be here for the good? What's your next step? How can you seek the good uh, for the city in which God has placed you? Let's pray.